out on the road Waiting for a new episode We've been thinking of you Just what you need Oh yeah, yeah Now that the show's underway I guess we can call it a day You're ready for And welcome back to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts, like myself, uh, we're examining the 1999 Frank Oz-directed comedy Bowfinger, one minute of screen time per episode. Uh, I am Robert Smith, coming to you from beautiful Tombstone. Yes, that one. And I'm inviting you to pull up a chair, kick up your boots, and take a sip on a nice, cold sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla. I would write it down, but I don't figure you could read it. Sony pop. We are taking a look today at minute 79 of Bowfinger. We begin with surveillance of the escape scene, and we end with a director trying to will a scene into existence. Before we get there, I do want to take a moment and bring a little bit of the Support Your Local podcast flavor to the show. And uh, this is where I take a, a bit of a deep dive into one of the key members of the movie, the, the movers and shakers, if you will. I'm super excited to do it on this movie because we really have some heavy hitters gathered around uh, for this season. But uh, without further ado, let's jump into a little segment I like to call Remember the Name. That's about all I'm going to do the rest of my life is go around remembering your name. And welcome to Remember the Name, the segment of the show where we take a, a bit of a deeper dive into one of the movers and shakers of the movie. And today, today we get to go into the director, um, one Mr. Frank Oz. And it's often a cliche when you say somebody had, you know, the, the voice of your childhood or, or somebody that was such an integral part of your childhood, kind of like a Mr. Rogers figure. Um, this man definitely qualifies for for that for millions of us out there so uh those that don't know uh frank oz is primarily known um obviously he's the director of this movie but he's primarily known as one of the key puppeteers from the jim henson days he was kind of the right hand man in regards to uh the puppets with with jim henson so uh sesame street from 1969 all the way up until 2013 he did Many of the integral voices of Sesame Street, um, including, you know, obviously you, you have Bert of the Bert and Ernie. Um, you have the Cookie Monster. C is, C is for Cookie, and that's that's good enough for me. But uh, the one that I hold uh, a personal near and dear to my heart, uh, Grover, uh, he is with the maybe exception of Kermit. I'm, I'm not entirely ready to commit to that. Um, but with the exception of maybe Kermit, Grover is by far probably my favorite Muppet character. And that's so 
let's 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 talk about this for a second. So, if they're on Sesame Street, are they still Muppets, or are the Muppets only the Muppets from the Muppet Show? Hit us up. Let, let us know what you think in the comments. But um, so, 1969 to 2013, he was on Sesame Street. From 76 to 81, he was uh, one of the lead puppeteers and voices for The Muppet Show, the, the aforementioned Muppet Show. Uh, he does such characters as Animal, Sam the Eagle, Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, uh, which I always find interesting because out of that whole group, you, you get Miss Piggy uh, as, as also Frank Oz. Um, but he was the one of the lead puppeteers or Muppeteers, if you will, and voice actor for all of the the Muppet movies, essentially uh, of our childhood. So you know the Muppet movie, Muppets Take Manhattan, The Great Muppet Caper, things like that. Uh, another thing that you may know him from, a uh, little nineteen eighty movie. Um, maybe you've heard of it. I think that there's a movies by minute podcast on it. Uh, it's called Empire Strikes Back, a, a Star Wars movie. So Frank Oz is, for those that don't know, he is, if you don't know him from the Muppets, you're going to know that he is the voice of Yoda. He, he is Yoda. So when I say somebody that shaped our childhood, this man was Grover, Cookie Monster, Miss Piggy, Fozzie, Bert from Bert and Ernie, G-Bert, and Yoda. I don't know that you can get much more involved <laughs> in, in somebody's childhood than, than, than that. Uh, 1982, he was also one of the, the lead Muppeteers on The Dark Crystal. 83, he made a cameo appearance in Superman 3. Uh, obviously, he's Yoda in Return of the Jedi. He is also in 83 uh, in Trading Places. He is an actor in this as well. He is the cop that when the Dan Aykroyd character gets busted and, and taken downtown, uh, he's the one that tests the baggie and says, this is PCP, Angel Dust. You know what this does to the kids? That's, that's Frank Oz. So if you ever wondered what the man behind the voices looks like, that, that's a perfect example that most people have seen. That is Frank Oz. Uh, 85, Spies Like Us, 86, Labyrinth, uh, again, back into the Muppeting, uh, 92, Muppet Christmas Carol, hit me up on the uh, Support Your Local Podcast chain where we did our uh, eight Christmas movies that you have to see, uh, he was uh, obviously a part of that, obviously anybody that knows me knows that the Muppets were a big part of my childhood, um, but that's, as a performer, he's obviously predominantly known outside of a few cameos as being the, the Muppeteer. Uh, but yeah, he's also a director, obviously. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about this today if he wasn't. Uh, 1982, he co-directed Dark Crystal. Uh, 84, Muppets Take Manhattan. 86, Little Shop of Horrors. 88, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So obviously he already has a, a very much a Steve Martin connection in regards to the, the, his career. Uh, 91, What About Bob, uh, with uh, Bill Murray. 95, Indian in the Cupboard. 99, the movie we're talking about today, Bowfinger. Uh, 01, The Score. 04, The Stepford Wives remake. Uh, 07, Death at a Funeral. A very, very prolific career for this man. A very talented career. I mean, when you look at some of those movies, those are some pretty big hitting movies with some top stars. You have, you know, some Eddie, you have Eddie Murphy in there, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, um, a, a co-op with uh, George Lucas and, and Steven Silberg with 
this man is is a legend in, in his own right and uh deservedly so i will not you know i, I threw the g bert in there but i will not uh <laughs> besmirch uh mr oz's work by even attempting to try to do some of those voices though uh if you ever meet me in public uh you know maybe we'll we'll, we'll have a, a few and uh We'll do some voices, but again, this has been uh, one of the my favorite ones to go over, and uh, this little segment that I call "Remember the Name." You tell him I remember his name, and we're back. We start our minute with Daisy and Kit bursting through the door of the roof, only to find the screeching Carol there yelling about Kit's parentage and uh, brandishing a knife. So nice little, nice little encounter. Uh, fortunately for Carol, if she does lose the knife, she could still conceivably cut him with those collarbones. See previous moments. Uh, we see above her the security camera that is probably, if I had to guess, the, the source of Bowfinger's footage at this point. And uh, Kit pleads for her to recognize him, but she still storms towards him. At this point, Daisy jumps into action and we cut to the crew taping the monitor and we can see on the monitor that this is in fact the angle that would have been from the security camera that I, that I just mentioned. We, we see some great tracking lines rolling across the monitor, which I, I, I got to chuckle out of because you know that doesn't really exist anymore in, in a digital world. You get more of the pixelization, uh, but tracking lines, definitely something very near and dear to anybody that's ever had to tape something from the the 80s and 90s. And uh, Daisy and Carol are are still tangling. And in the crew, we see the poor, uh, presumably gonadless policeman. Uh, Obviously, this is just a a character that he's playing. But um, the way that the the goo has now uh, began to dry on his face and his cheeks, it just looks that he's getting really, really sweaty and, and worked up overseeing the two ladies wrestle. And it, it just brought me back to the, the interrogation scene and, and basic instinct. Uh, if you know, you know, uh, yes, that one. Um, but just the, the guys staring at it and, and getting a, a, a little, a little uncomfortable. Daisy and Carol turn a, a corner on the roof and they go behind kind of a half wall or a pillar of some sort and we finally get to see what was in the, the box Carol brought with her. Uh, Carol does some great leg acting as if she's being strangled of, of her life. But uh, she must still have enough breath in her to do uh, a, a last blood-curdling scream as uh, Daisy turns the corner and she's now holding the, the disembodied head of Carol. And again, I, I mentioned this with the, the goo a, a few episodes ago, but... If this is supposed to be a low-budget movie they're making, they definitely spent a big portion of that budget on special effects. Uh, maybe I missed it, and maybe some of this stuff was in the in the in the piles of things that Bowfinger used Daisy's card to purchase. Maybe, maybe I missed that, but regardless, that's a really good-looking severed head. And it even has some gore and, and some strands of, of, of skin dangling beneath it. It's, it's definitely good enough of a prop to fool even a seasoned action star like Kit to be completely mortified by. And you have to presume seeing the movies that we, we were um, uh, introducing Kit in, 
surely there was a severed head in one in one of them. There has to be a, a ninja that he kicked the head off of or, or something. So he probably knows what he's looking for and, and is, is he's sold on it. We, we get this great reaction from him and, and he says some words that I'm, I'm not allowed to say on this PG podcast, but uh, things that you would say if somebody just uh, cut the head off of a, a woman that was trying to kill you. And Daisy tells him that she was from, she being Carol, was from Planet Neon, and she runs towards him still holding this head. And either Kit is still too shocked, or he's more okay with Carol being an alien than, than he was before, because he still allows Daisy to grab him and go running off. Um, Bowfinger yells, cut. And the crew begins to scramble to go outside for their their next shot, and we see them running on the ground of the uh, of the, the 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 front yard, essentially of the observatory, as Daisy and Kit are running along the roof in, in parallel with them. And this kind of struck me as odd for a couple things. One, it's it's obvious that Bowfinger is becoming less and less concerned with keeping up this facade as there is literally no cover. I mean, there's some trees kind of in the background, but there's literally no cover between them and Kit's line of sight. So it begs the question if meeting the Kit lookalike in, in GIF made him less reliable on, on Kit to be 100% in this. Also, the, the thought that went through my head throughout the movie and, and just in general when when I first ignored this this movie coming out, is why doesn't Bowfinger just do what he ultimately does at the end of the movie? Which, spoilers, and just make Jif be Kit for the entire thing. But, alas. The, the other thing that struck me as odd is that Bowfinger didn't time things a bit better to capture the shot of Daisy and Kit running along the roof essentially the shot that we're seeing right now, that to me seems like a really good shot. But again, movie lover, not a movie maker. What, what do I know? We, we end our scene with Daisy and Kit storming the observatory tower and Daisy knowing perhaps more about operating the telescope than she should to, to get that tower opening to line up with where Bowfinger and the crew will be shooting. Uh, Bowfinger tells us this is it. He only needs this one shot when we end. And uh, what was the money shot he's looking for? Will Kit give him the money shot he's looking for? Will Daisy help him get the money shot he's looking for? All this and more when we return for Minute 80. Folks, if you like what you hear, please take a moment. Check out the little show that I do. It's called Support Your Local Podcast. We are available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, Even if you don't like what you hear, it's cool. I get it. Uh, definitely check out the rest of the Bowfinger Minute. They can be found on all of your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere that you can think uh, at uh, the Bowfinger Minute Podcast. Uh, you can also check them out at their website, bowfingerminute.com. If you have some time, and we're talking seconds here, it's completely free, please like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcast. Uh, on social media, you can find us at Welcome to Mindhead, the Bowfinger Minute Listener Center on Facebook and on Twitter at Bowfinger Minute. Uh, Until we meet again, folks, in the meantime, keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together.
other children I hope that we'll see you again Cause there's always One more Sure. One more show.